This looks like this is like legit. This is like an official. I know it feels like you really like you like this isn't the waste of time you thought of. No, it's crazy. <laughs> Actually, at about midday, I caught myself wondering what I was going to wear. I was like, "What should I wear to this?" And I was like, "Oh, right, it's a podcast. I go yeah. wear whatever." We don't. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. We're working on that video component, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll let you know when that when you have to be. We'll, but hopefully, we'll also have hair and makeup. Oh, <laughs> all right. So here we go. Uh, season five, episode nine, I think, of the Art Fight podcast. Here with Rocky Horton, um, with a great story to tell us, and Joe Nolan with some probably lies to tell us. I'm lying. Yeah, I'm a liar. That sounds about right. <laughs> some good Gemini season. It's Gemini season. It's really just another form of storytelling, which is all you're doing in your songs, right? No, I hate the term storytelling yeah. in songs. Hashtag storytelling. Yeah. I mean, storytelling is fine, but oh. I mean, like a oh, book that tells a, a story. But when somebody says, well, he's a great American storyteller in song, it's like, yeah. I hate that shit so bad. And I why, think story songs are lame. And why is it? Yeah. And, and why is it <laughs> the only stories all, we're telling are, are American? <laughs> yeah. If it was like, I mean, I understand it. If it's like Lusa Hatchie Bridge or whatever, like that is a story song, right? What's, like, what song is that? Tallahassee Bridge. Oh, like that, she throws oh, the. Yeah. yeah that, see, but see, you know, but that's it's, like a story. But it's so it's like, but it's like that's like almost like a little film, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's not like well, there's these there's this character doing these things. It's like just like weird images yeah, of yeah. this strange place and this shit that went down that you can't figure out what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's totally wild. <laughs> but that's like somebody you're like, okay, that person is a storyteller. Yeah. He's just like somebody that's really good. Off. Or like Arlo Guthrie, right? Like that guy just told stories. That's true too. That's true too. Yeah. yeah like um, the, like uh, uh, Alice's Restaurant, yeah. for instance. Literally, I mean, that's literally uh, really just him talking. Kind of proto rap. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. We said it here first. Arlo, Arlo Guthrie, Guthrie started, started rap. rap. <laughs> be the first and last time. <laughs> That's been proffered <laughs> to the culture. Putting, putting Cole Herc on blast. <laughs> yeah, so like you you were talking about, uh, Rocky, you were talking about growing up skateboarding. I wanted to ask you more about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, uh, what era did you kind of come up in? What was, uh, what it was, was your deal? Uh, the great, the, it was the greatest era of mm. skateboarding, I think, in history, which was like mm. the Pal and Peralta Bones yes. Brigade era. We're the same age. Uh, yeah, and uh, it was, I was in like seventh or eighth grade, and everybody that I, I mean, every guy I grew up with, like everyone, I lived in this really small town outside of Memphis, and every single person played team sports in their adolescence. So, you like, I played baseball and football every single year until I was high school age. And then uh, in like seventh grade, I discovered skateboarding. Mm. And I was like, I only like this, and I don't like any <laughs> any of the other stuff at all. And so, uh, me and like my you know townie friends started skateboarding, and we did it until uh, it was just this is the natural trajectory for skateboarding. You do it until you get a car, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then once you get a car, you're like, I'd like to skateboard. You hold on to it for like also, six more months. Yeah, but, uh, you're it like, changes the whole paradigm. Yeah, you're of like, your life. I could like drive to Memphis and hang out there. Or I could go on. Or dates let's just really or talk or about it. Really, what it is yeah. is the the car is now like the gateway to actually be able to like girls are now like eminently within yeah, possibility right. because you can drive. Yeah, you could pick people up from school. And so then the uh, the appeal of, <laughs> the appeal of uh, getting injured jumping off of like uh, the back of grocery store loading docks at 3.30 right. in the morning becomes less appealing. Well, it's a really, I think it's a really good parallel to art making because it's all sacrifice and you don't, nobody makes it pro. 
like you know there's no mm-hmm. like i didn't know anybody that made any money the most you'd ever get is like a sponsor from the local skate shop or something you get free stickers or something like that yeah or a deck but, or something yeah or a deck but like nobody i know went pro like mm-hmm. nobody and then uh which is a lot like the art world where everybody just does it at sacrifice and nobody's making any money mm-hmm. or you know or able to do it full time or whatever but also i had a um my kids actually really uh love for me to talk about my injuries because i've had a <laughs> uh cataclysmic list of like skateboarding injuries mm-hmm. and really every every time that i participate in anything i usually break something and so i've had like uh three broken arms and wow. six legs and oh my god yeah and separated both shoulders my left one twice and wow that's a whole whole slew but you just you were in those times you were like i'm i'm in this yeah i was super into it and and then i mean i even even rebroke my leg in a cast because i was skateboarding with my cast on (laughs) when you say broke my leg like what do you what do you actually mean i mean like i broke my ankle like i Uh, did it i did it uh I did my right one. My right one was in the snow. That was like jumping off some shit? No, that one I got tackled by this guy. I threw a snowball at him. He tackled me, and I slipped and broke my ankle. And then, and then my left one, I was going off a launch ramp and broke it. And then I broke it again doing a kickflip, which is super lame. But yeah. I, just, I hit the ground just right. And then I played soccer in college and broke my ankle like four more times. Yeah, and tore the ligaments, oh. and then did it in in East Nashville. I was letting my daughter use the bathroom in somebody's yard, <laughs> and I was walking out with her, and I stepped in a pothole and broke it again. Oh no! Instant karma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it is a thing. I mean, so I suppose there is some sort of personality trait where it's like if you're a, a glutton for punishment uh, on some level, then perhaps a creative path is also for you. Well, also, I mean, skateboarding is a, is a creative that's what path. I'm saying. I mean, it's yeah. so, it's so, I mean, that's what I, I mean, I, I think retrospectively, the thing that I was so excited about was like, all it is a, a, a transformative sport because you can look at something that you've seen a million times over and then suddenly like we would find, cause I'm in this little town, like we'd find a place where like the sidewalk was a little jacked up. And we would spend four days on that thing, just like, exploring, just the exploring every possibility. Yeah. Like, oh, That's could so right. I? Yeah, could I do a? You know, could I launch mm-hmm. off of this? Could I grind it? Could I? You know, mm-hmm. and you would try it and try again and try again and try again. And we were all like bad skaters. I mean, we, none of us were great, but you, it was just a a kind of creativity in this extremely limited world that was. Like it also breeds awesome. this kind of a um, spirit of championing others because it's an individual expression, but you're doing it collectively. So you you get excited you get excited when your friends finally pull off the. the oh, it was the, nuts! Yeah, yeah, it's like that was the most sort of uh, kind of his, hysteria, sort of feeling that you, you know frenzied social sort of excitement that you yeah, could have. Yeah, it was have. like a triumph. Yeah. yeah. Really I always big. thought I always felt that uh, like half pipe skaters were cheaters. Mm. Like cuz that was like, well you have like thrills. Yeah, like and yeah. you have this thing and like you're married to this thing, you know. I was not at all interested in that kind of skating. I really yeah. I liked the idea of like being in your town and like trying a handrail or like mm-hmm. drainage ditches. Yeah, and even like I mean we would jump manhole covers yeah. for like yeah. an after a whole afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, I used to do, I was into this too, but I wasn't I, I was a little bit of a skater, but I was I had more of a um doing the exact same things you're talking about with bikes. Yeah. Like that was oh, my yeah, thing. Totally, my thing yeah. was all about like making bikes, taking bikes apart, putting bikes together and jumping around on my bike and like finding the weird spot on yeah. the curb where if you hit it just right. 
I was uh, born in Detroit, and I lived there until I was about 10. And then we moved about an hour west of Detroit, mm-hmm. and then I went to Michigan State, and then I came to Nashville. Oh, okay. So cool. Michigan, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I, I mean, like my small town experience, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I grew up, like when my kids are growing up in Nashville, I don't know that I would have found it in Nashville, like skating specifically, mm-hmm. because there's so much other stuff to do. Like you have... Yeah, you know, all yeah. summer long, like we're going to the pool and we're going to the beach and we're going to the, you know, yeah. going to the lake and Do all these kids, different parks. Are you kids involved and, in uh, in like organized sports at all in the summertime? Not yet. They're uh-huh. all. Uh, my oldest is eleven. Right. And yeah. She's still in, a little bit on the young yeah, side. She's in they? string orchestra. Mm-hmm. And then my son Sai is seven, and Gigi's seven as well, and they're seven months apart. And then uh, we have a baby who's almost a year, almost a year old. Mm-hmm. So none of them. I actually coached their soccer team, size oh, soccer cool. team, about a year and a half ago, uh-huh. and it was a hilarious experience. <laughs> I bet because it's not. I mean, it's just at that age, you can't even get them to play a position. No, or, yeah. you're just like yeah. try to keep everybody from sitting down. Like uh-huh. that's a real thing, right? <laughs> and then also, if no one cried, yeah. like that yeah. was like everyone stayed on their feet. Nobody cried. Yeah, and so I, on paper the bar looks really low, but yeah, in reality, it's actually quite it's high. Pretty, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, and also like don't stand in the net. They all just want to stand in the net. It's comfortable. Yeah, it also makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. You're like it's you don't shelter. want them to score. We'll all just stand in the net. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nailed it. I'm like that's not how we do it (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna do it the dumb way the Mm -hmm. hard dumb way (laughs) yeah i was constantly like get up everybody get up come on let's keep get up how old are they how old old? he was five so (laughs) So is this something where like like right before you did it for the first time like the night before you were probably like kind of nervous about it like look going through over like dutch systems and you know all this stuff and then like you get it yeah kind of sort of like over complicated like uh aspirational sort of level of playing and then you get there and you're like oh my god just please don't fall asleep yeah it it was in the ymca league and so i i had played in college and was like i was like okay well maybe we could do this drill and maybe Mm. we could do this drill and like i had some ideas Uh yeah and then uh i went to the ymca MCA has this very, very helpful like uh, orientation for new coaches mm. and the guy that was running it he was just like they're not going to do any of that <laughs> he's, like, just, he's like at this age just show up play this uh, we used to play this game called uh, sharks and minnows uh-huh. which is like one person has the ball and everybody tries to get it from him he's like that's it half an hour of sharks and minnows everybody gets an orange slice <laughs> practice <Yeah. laughs> and I was like that's that is perfect. Like that is, that's pretty much what it was. Yeah, yeah. In. I think he was. He knew exactly what it was. I think that like it's an orange slice. If there's a gallery show, that's really what people should do: is just be like. Everybody, all the people that came, you did a great job. Everybody gets an orange slice. <laughs> yeah, after. that would actually be perfect. You I mean, know? that is kind of what the reception is, though. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets like a cube of cheese and some yeah, a cube box of wine. It is yeah. the orange yeah. slice of yeah. the yeah. modern yeah. art gallery yeah. interaction. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting though. I like I like that we got off on the the talk about you know bikes and skateboards and stuff because really like on this podcast when we're, we're I mean we're doing we're having that discussion all the time about martial arts too and just yeah. the way that these physical activities can actually be these incredibly creative yeah. transformative um, sort of uh, whatever practices. Yeah, I think too. They're also uh, they're disciplines and and you know, all of them are disciplines, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're also extremely limited in their form. And so the limitation of the form creates more creativity. It sounds, uh, this is something that's difficult for me to explain to my students. Like mm. my students are always like, I just want, 
to do whatever quit I want me and what I, to do yeah or <laughs> like quit like quit putting parameters on yeah. me like just you know whatever and I'm like that's not actually how anybody makes art like mm-hmm. you've got to I'm giving you freedom as well yeah I'm giving, I'm giving you, you yeah. freedom by putting these walls up now you know what you can work you're liberated from you know every other like 99.99% of other mental thinking you're right. doing you can yeah. now concentrate into a, some arena I mean it's well it's almost like Sufism or something right where it's like the, you know like the western idea is that just that everything is so um, it's all about the outer world yeah and what we see and what we perceive whereas like say in something like Sufism you know where it's sort of like the inner world is like that's where the infinite and that's where the vastness is or something so in, in some ways just conceptual limitations I, I think are kind of like uh, less extreme examples of that but it is sort of like a weird cognitive thing to turn to get people to make to understand that no no this is yeah this is the happy place trust me yeah it's like um one of my favorite artists is named wolfgang Leib, who's uh he's a german artist I, th- I have no idea how old he is he looks like the the mad scientist from the bugs bunny cartoons <laughs> like he's bald and has like a little wrinkly neck but um he's um shout out he's is this just amazing you, is this who you named your son after uh, uh sort of yeah <laughs> okay my son's name is wolfgang so <laughs> Um, but uh, I love this artist a lot and he started making this work I think in the 60s and 70s where he would collect pollen from his uh, backyard basically oh yeah I know about this and then he would shake them into squares on the floor and then he built some things out of beeswax then he does these bermundas which are these like spherical kind of ovular stone carvings and then this other piece called milkstone and and when I I mean that's pretty much all he does and it's all he's ever done like he did those in the 60s it's 2019 he's doing those still and they asked him about it and he was like he was like i I still make them because they still work which i think is like (laughs) awesome and he was like he was like i feel like the mythology of progression is damaging to art and i was like this idea of like i gotta you know push myself and make innovations and mm-hmm. you know always change or whatever yeah the premium new he was like that yeah. doesn't make any sense in the world he's like a tree has been a tree has been a tree has been a tree it's still fantastic like why would i stop it and so mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting i just today i was talking to uh, a friend of mine that i ran into at uh, international market and I, and I was telling her that we were going to go to Memphis this weekend because I have a photo that's going to be in the Art of the South. And I said, "Oh, cool!" And she's like, "Is it the one uh, at the fairgrounds? It's like a ticket booth at night at the mm-hmm. fairgrounds." And uh, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's the one. It's that one." And I said, "I was really glad that that's the one that got in because it was like I'd only taken it like a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and it totally made me feel good that that's the one that got in because it showed me that oh, I'm still I'm still doing, got it. I still got it. Yeah, yeah. I'm still doing good work and yeah. maybe even better now. And da da da. And like totally buying into that. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, on some level, I I fight not buying into that because I feel like." Yeah. No, you should be getting better. You should be trying new things. Maybe it's just about context yeah. or something. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's like it is a, a almost a. It's almost like a value judgment that really can be uh-huh. like one way full full stop, you know, or yeah. another. I but, think. I think it's also has to do with like like objectively speaking. I want to agree that like that that's that he's right and that's completely ridiculous and yeah. totally false objectively yeah but i think subjectively yeah. artists can choose that no for me that does matter yeah. innovation is is one of the central values of my practice yeah, you know was, what i mean yeah Something like well this that. was like one of but the you biggest gotta own it for yourself yeah. not because you're expected to well, do it well one of the biggest things that uh hit me like post-grad because grad school me was very much like a modernist in my thinking in terms of like uh, lots of deep research kind of production lots it was all painting 
was pretty minimal like it was very uh curriculum based uh, yeah it was very curriculum based mm-hmm. and and then i realized after a while i was like i i really i want to be an artist whose work is about discovery not so much about invention mm-hmm. and so i was like trying to invent all the time like mm-hmm. well oh if so-and-so does this then i need to do it like this you know if they're uh-huh. doing this that and i was like i don't want it to be like that like i want it to be something that i happen upon and that and that and that i am a tuned to the thing yeah. like i'm sort of ready for it when it finds me yeah yeah and then that's the kind of work that i want an to make. honest instinctual response with no governors or qualitative judgments right and also because i also i mean i've been doing this now for you know 20 years or so mm-hmm. that uh some of my works in the past are better than stuff that i've done <laughs> recently or whatever but i don't so what like yeah. i don't care and better by what standard or whatever yeah, i mean like they're, they're yeah. more profound or more powerful or they resonate more with people or, or whatever you yeah. also kind of know more what went into it you, yeah you secretly not secretly like it's a secret but like internally to you as the creator of the yeah. work because I, mean, I experienced this somewhat like with things like if i think about uh like records that i made in in like early 2000s yeah. you know versus what i'm making now I can definitely sort of admit or say or whatever that the craft that I was putting into it at that time was way more laborious and way more thoughtful on every molecular level. And part of that was because of the technology at the time and the limitations, right, or or whatever else. But ultimately, that was kind of a thing. And then then now when I think about it, I'm a product of these sort of different tool sets now that make iteration so easy or, you know, or whatever. So, like... uh, it's a totally different framework. I had to commit to ideas back then in a way that I don't have to now. Yeah. But what that means overall is that by the lack of that re- requisite sort of thing, I don't, th- that firmament I'm not really looking for. Yeah. So it's like a weird, um, I-, I can see how like, look, I think it's interesting for an artist to look back at their past work and make those kind of assessments. And, and uh, it is sort of on one level, like, yes, those things, I made things 20 years ago that resonated way more yeah. than whatever it is that I'm doing now at, by far, right? But at the same time, I can't help but wonder if there's not something intrinsic to the nature of it in that sort of uh-huh. m- wherever the fulcrum is between like modernism and postmodernism in terms yeah. of like this sort of earned truth bef- you know to this latter sort of everything is valuable and important yeah like I, I feel like that that's that's the crux of that Switch systematic over, yeah, thinking sure. problem yeah I mean that was I think that was my postgrad journey was from modernism <laughs> to postmodernism mm-hmm. you know I updated a lot of my books and started mm-hmm. to you know look at things differently and uh, and also just found artists uh, like a lot of post studio artists that I thought were really exciting I'd never seen them before like um, and there was a lot of stuff going on that I was like oh this is like uh, it's almost like casual like the way that they're uh, making mm. their work like it doesn't feel like a factory which is what was happening a lot in the 80s is like yeah uh, and I tell my students all the time like a lot of people assume that an artist is a tiny factory you know that we're just a one-person factory or if you're lucky a five-person or 40-person mm-hmm. factory but you're you're just producing products mm-hmm. you know uh which is fine i mean i i do also that like i also make paintings and mm-hmm. you know whatever uh but the heart of the work is not tiny factory the heart of the work is like trying to uh discover something new in the work or trying to do something for myself and so if it uh and, and also i mean i want the work to resonate with other people but if it if it does or doesn't sort of that part's already like i'm i'm already out of that part it's Mm -hmm. like uh like when you make an album like um like i heard this uh interview with van morrison one time talking about astral weeks Mm -hmm. and uh and they were like so like 
let's talk about Astro Weeks, you know, which is like this phenomenal, it's like kind of the Van Morrison record. Mm -hmm. Like it's like the amazing Van Morrison masterpiece. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, we just went into the studio, singing to the microphone, came out. You know? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but this is like your seminal yeah. record. And he's like, is it? Like he just yeah. had no attachment to it really. Like yeah. he was like, he's not gonna tour on it. He's not gonna, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. He was just like, it happened. And I was like, I think that's fine. I mean, I think it's, I think it's bound to happen that way uh, to a certain extent as an artist. I think if you're, I think the innovation is exhausting. Like, I think mm -hmm. if you're just constantly trying to like one up yourself, like yeah. it is, it is or a, one out yourself or, one or out whatever yourself, or, yeah. or, find, or find the audience or sell, you know, like that business mm -hmm. part of art is a whole other See, category. That, that's, mm -hmm. that's the thing is because what you're talking about, you mentioned it before is like, like if you, and if, if you consider innovation to be intrinsically tied to the necessity of comparative analysis of other works mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah like like you're you're required like if if those things are sort of bound you know inextricably like the, if you're going to innovate part of what that means for you is that you have to look at what other people are doing and evaluate it so that you know or Always. have the coordinates to map to know yeah. that you're going away from that scene or that crowd or differentiating in some way so that it's actually by definition innovation right like that seems like a the worst part of it like, well, i mean that, that it, seems like the exhausting part of it as you kind of said i think i mean i think yeah. it's wholesale exhausting yeah and then and and it's frustrating because there are people who who seem to be able to do it like you know easily like they're just really you know doing wild and innovative things in the art world or whatever but i also feel like the flame of that burns out so quickly like why do you like i don't want to be a a person who was innovative in my 30s or 40s and then like have nothing in my 50s or 60s or or a, a popular move is to go back to your classical like to go back to the classics you know or something yeah i don't want to do that either i mean or um i don't want to be the dave matthews band where i had like two good records and then i became the dave matthews band like nobody wants that you know where you're just like you're kind of repeating your own sound trying to keep that audience you know still trying to tour it still trying to whatever like that also doesn't appeal to me like i want to i want to live in the space that created the first record every single time mm -hmm. and that's not that's not a particularly like competitive or innovative space like mm -hmm. i wasn't in competition with myself when i made those works uh or whatever those works are mm -hmm. you know i was just trying to be honest with mm -hmm. the work and that's it uh probably my favorite painter in nashville is terry thacker who i you know most mm. of us know <laughs> and he's I got think, a show at the coop gallery yeah, he's at the got, packing plant right yeah, now yeah he does and it's terrific mm -hmm. and uh he's a terrific artist and really uh a really interesting uh, he's not just a terrific artist he's a terrific guy but he's a really innovative and interesting thinker and uh mm -hmm. but his work um He's also at, he also teaches at Watkins College of Art. Uh, he just retired, actually. Oh, it, is he officially over Officially now? over. Oh, okay. I know that show is basically a retirement show. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, but I, I, my point being just that, just for people who don't know any better, like he's had a huge influence on the scene because of the fact yeah. that so many That's right. great young painters in the scene came up under Terry. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, too, everybody that knows him really adores him. I mean, he's mm -hmm. just a terrific guy. But he, the thing that I like uh, about his work, and we were on this panel years ago. I mean, 15 years ago, maybe that was about, it was at Zeitgeist about painting. And he was like, he, before the panel started, he was like, I'm not talking about the art market. He's like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about why there are no collectors. I don't want to talk about, he's like, I'm not interested in any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. 
And he said this, he goes, when I'm in the studio, he goes, when I'm in the studio, I'm not trying to sell paintings, I'm trying to save my soul. <laughs> and I was like, that is a, like, that's a t-shirt that <laughs> should exist, yeah. you know? Um, but it's very that, dire, but, un, but uh, relatable and aspirational. Well, and also yeah. is the reason why he's still able to crush it. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he, like, he's not somebody that burned quickly and burned out. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still, his paintings are still amazing and they're getting mm-hmm. even better and like, and I think it's because he he has the right mm-hmm. mentality about it. He's like he's I'm not definitely somebody who just talking to him about painting, you know immediately like here's a guy whose curiosity is like fully intact. You yeah. Know? At the age of retiring from being a teacher now, right. yeah. he's still got the fire burning like you no know, like like as good as you can do. Yeah, really. I mean he I mean he's a he's somebody that I think uh I'm really excited to see what happens after retirement, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause I think now his schedule's clear so he can like do it even more, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which yeah. I'm like, that's a, uh, that's a really exciting period. So I think that mm-hmm. people like that, and I've seen the other thing too, where, where young artists have hit it earlier or younger artists have, or any, really any artist that has like a hit of any kind. And then it becomes like, Ooh, well, how do I sustain the momentum of mm-hmm. selling? And then I have to sell it to, you know keep my lights on or whatever yeah and it's like a up, creative tourniquet yeah and then you want you want to because it ha- it's a uh it's a really weird moment where like you have to change a little bit so that it's fresher but you can't change too much because well, this then, reminds me of a little movie called basquiat that's right it's exactly that yeah <laughs> it is you gotta, exactly you got to keep doing it. but then you got to keep doing it that's right because that's yeah. what they want yeah. you can't change anything that's right benito del toro speaking truth by led zeppelin and what's the yeah. uh, what's the uh, what's the quote that he says he's like how long does it take to get rich and he's like it was like eight years yeah, or something eight years nine to get famous or that's something right like that. yeah, it was something like that yeah <laughs> But it's so it's such a it's such a weird uh, I don't th- I mean there's very few people that I think can do it can do it in a way that's sustainable and they and they're not giving up on on being an artist especially because well you know? everything's dynamic yeah. everything's ultimately changing all the time and progressing all the time whether you're liking it or not so even so if yeah if you're locked like we you know fighters a lot of times will talk about this kind of thing you know where it's like. Um, like if if a fighter gets successful early on in their like it's very dire right like you're gonna you might get knocked out or whatever so there's a little bit of situational compression on that that's kind of intense <laughs> yeah. right stakes are a little and, high stakes yeah. are a little high and then but what they do is they end up having like uh, I would say like Ronda Rousey is actually a really good example of this like somebody that comes from a discipline that really nailed like a particular style and a particular approach in a very specific way but really didn't have a lot of other tools but it didn't matter because she was riding she was winning she was yeah. she was unstoppable she was a cultural icon immediately and all yeah, this she was stuff. in like the Fast and the Furious movies or something she, I something don't know like yeah. Yeah. And, and so but the, I guess the point is that you know she came from judo and really she was just judoing people yeah. in this very one dimensional kind of way and arm barring them yeah. uh, just taking them down and arm barring them I mean, of course there's like intricacies inside it like different types of tosses and yeah. like and just it, this is not to slide even what she was capable of doing it was pretty amazing I'm pretty sure that she would beat you up if she yes. was here right now <laughs> yeah but the thing is is that uh, but but I think that uh, in, in parallel to what you're talking about I just see it in fighting like where, where a fighter gets to that point I don't think that they want to 
I don't think they have a comfort even necessarily of going into too new a territory. Like everybody's standing around being like, why wouldn't Ronda Rousey, like you have every resource and available to you. Why would you not be training with black belts and jujitsu right. and, and uh, getting the best striking coaching that you can possibly get and whatever, all the things to make up for all the gaps that mm -hmm. she had in her mm -hmm. fight game. And then, you know, and, but she was running the table, running the table, running the table and then got stopped and then psh, that was the beginning of the the end in a very yeah. punctuated way that no one really thought could happen in that way yeah. it was such a just so i feel like that with from the art perspective it's kind of like uh when yeah when you have something that's successful yeah you, it, you're gonna feel like uh yeah i can only kind of go a little bit around this but i don't want to sort of I need to, like, that's my tether to what I know now is valid and functional. Yeah, right, mm. yeah. I, yeah, I know a couple artists that are, like, that are, like, on Instagram, and, I, like, every Instagram post is, like, <clears throat> they're, like, counting the likes to see if their work is still valid, you mm -hmm. know, basically, and I'm, like, that's a, that's crazy to me. But I also, the other thing, too, about that, I mean, you know, about the sort of commercial side of it, which, by the way, I'm excited about, I like, I mean, I like to make money, for sure, so yeah. I, I'm, I appreciate it. But it's also, um, as to whether or not you're gonna be successful in that way is anybody's guess. It's mm -hmm. not. It's not a cream rises to the top situation. Right. It's like no, you it's have, not. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's like music that way where you're like, really. I mean, really. Uh, like Miley Cyrus could have been anyone in the world. Mm. Like it takes a long anybody, time to not be petulant about that too, right? Yeah. Like it takes time to sort of accept that that's just the native. That's just the yeah, way. That's that, just how it is. Yeah. Like every every. It's a lottery for everybody it's not a grand design against you no yeah. yeah yeah that's exactly right it's not and also you have to recognize like even if you even if you do everything right doesn't matter yep like yeah. you, you either do it i mean like i thought about uh the artist vito Acconci who in the 60s was doing all this radical performance stuff he was like uh, a lot of a lot of physical body you know type stuff is really radical and intense and I was like, so that guy got to be Vito Acconci. Like, that guy had a whole art career where he was, like, standing out. Everybody's doing it. But I thought about, like, who were the other Vito Acconci's, like, in Soho at that time, like, doing all this dangerous, difficult, yeah. like, and body they just art. Got, and they just got hurt and nobody <laughs> cared. <laughs> right. They just got hurt and nobody, they did not uh, become Vito Acconci. You know, like, because that has to be there, right? Like, uh -huh. for every Jackson Pollock, there's, like, 87 other yeah. not-known Jackson now, Pollock. Now, is he the guy you know? who got shot and who nailed himself to a car and all no, that No, that's shit? Chris Burton. Oh, okay. But kind of the same deal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, as yeah. soon as Chris Burton hit, there had to be yeah. other people that were doing kind of radical body uh, art. Tell me, what, what what's Vito Acconci done? Vito Acconci did, uh, he did a piece called Seedbed, where he, like, laid under a ramp in the gallery and masturbated as people came in. <laughs> Have you guys never heard of this? It's, it's very famous. Uh, huh. And uh, he did another piece where he stood at the bottom of a stairwell with a blindfold on and swung a bat and like dared people to come down. <laughs> like it was. And I don't he think did, I would know about this. Oh yeah, you should look him up. I mean, yeah. he's he's a really he's a really big deal, really big for performance art in the '60s, uh -huh. Vito Acconci. And then and then later he, I think he got into architecture, kind mm -hmm. of swung into architecture <laughs> as one does. As one does. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, that's right. But he but. You know, any, anyway, it's funny to me to think about people like that that were like put, putting themselves out there, yeah, and then like you know, or like maybe uh, you make it, maybe you don't, yeah, or like like you still got a hole in your yeah, face, there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or there's like a, there's uh you know like uh like think of all the like not David Blaine's in the world, yeah, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like David Blaine gets to be David Blaine, uh, who is boring but also very wealthy, I'm sure, and mm -hmm. quintessential or whatever, yeah, yeah, and like iconic or you know in that community, yeah. But think of all the other 
David Blaine's out there that are doing equally as radical things, and then they're just like, oh, I guess I don't yeah. get to grow like a body here anymore. The Ramones versus yeah. like every other band in yeah, the world. Right, yeah. yeah, The Ramones got to be the Ramones. Favorite band, by the way, so tread um, lightly. Tread lightly. <laughs> no, I'm saying they're top of the heap, except for The Clash. Yeah, well, okay. That's actually, uh, like the Clash Johnny Ramone yeah. said that. He said that Ramones, the Ramones are the best it. band in the world. He said the Ramones are the best band in the world. And then he goes, the only band that comes close is The Clash. Really? No, what's now, funny is that, that's great. What I love is that the, only, think, the, yeah, only basis, the only basis you used to assess my counter with The Clash was what... That's right. What, what Mr. Ramone himself said that's right. about exactly this issue. If yeah. there were no other formalized uh, you opinions about it... You would just be wrong. It, yeah. would, <laughs> that's right. You would just be flat wrong. <laughs> They were one of those. That was like in that skateboarding era. I was yes. talking about earlier. The Ramones were like heavy in my life mm. at the time. Man, I was trying to talk to some. I was uh, a couple episodes ago. I was talking to somebody. Uh, oh, the regular cars guys. But we were just talking about how I was talking about how I think that Nirvana gets all this credit that's not due in terms of being this sort of uh, uh, sea change, uh, sort of tipping point for yeah. music in say '92 or whatever. Yeah, '91, '92. I was. My contention ultimately is that. It was Jane's Addiction's Nothing mm. Shocking album that was the, like whatever people attribute to Nevermind, I believe yeah. it was Nothing Shocking I'm gonna a go, few years, three years prior. I'll go four years prior. One step further back and say that it was all thanks to Guns N' Roses. See, well, I sa- same time period, but, but I think Nothing Shocking predates Appetite for Destruction. Oh, does it? Yeah. Yeah. I would say like GNR to me, uh, growing up in that music, like GNR was the first like anti hair band. It really like, was. I, there was like Warrant and Great White, That's all these right. terrible no, you're, you're bands. Exactly right. And then they showed up and I was like, and in the first video, like Welcome to the Jungle, they look kind of hair bandy. Yeah. Like they teased his hair up. And they have a little bit of makeup on. A little bit of makeup on. LA and then they just killed that. Yeah. After that. And I and was like, gritty. oh, they got grungy and gritty. And, and the and, sound was good. And right? the sound was yeah. great. And it was, I was like, oh, they, they set the stage for you know what happened in I, my I, college era i have to agree awesome. like that on a war on a more widely understood or perceived level they they were that because yeah. like welcome no, i agree though jane's addiction incredible and that record's incredible yeah there was just something about the way that there was just something that was dying to come out of the speakers that was not anywhere to be had yeah. at that time is the way i try to describe it and all of a sudden it pierced through like all of a sudden the sound of everything just went to like yeah. 4d so were you were, when i can remember i was a <laughs> senior in high school when um is my phone playing something yeah i think so yeah. i was a senior in high school when uh Nevermind came out and uh i saw senior high school when when what when Nevermind or around as never mind came so out you're graduate that's like 91 92 92 what is over here we got, a, we got some rogue <laughs> device going. Oh, it's me. <laughs> How did that happen? Nice. I didn't even touch my phone. Weird. I don't know. That's very weird. Yeah. It's, okay, like, so, it's like your phone uh, started playing I so Love Lucy. Robbie's, uh, Rocky's right. It's uh, Appetite came out in 87 uh, and nothing shocking. 88. 88. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, but um, I would say, just really quick, I just want to get my, my two cents in on this. <laughs> I said it before on this podcast and I'll say it again. All right. Uh, I don't necessarily think the sea change happens with, with, uh, with nothing shocking, but I do think that Guns N' Roses is the band that crushed the hair metal even yeah, if it yeah. went on for a little while after that it was yeah, dead I think, I think it was okay. dead let's and just I say, say they toppled the statue no nothing shocking or just say no Janes 
No, never mind. There, that, no, that, that's that true. To, that, yeah, the, the, chain, the chain is intact. No, what I'm, but what I'm talking <laughs> about. So they, they, t- they got the statue wobbling, and then Janes came in and, and kicked it yeah, over. Yeah, except there, except one. Nevada kicks it over. It, yeah, I was going to say, oh, here's the difference. Nirvana, like, stomped on no, it. No, no, no. Here's, but here's the difference, though. Like, <laughs> okay, so, we can do that. <laughs> but the difference is, uh, the difference is all those bands. I mean, because you could say the Pixies are in there, too. You sure. know? But, like, true, the problem yeah. is no one was listening to those bands. Right. Like, yeah. Jane's Addiction was, like, me... And my skater friends, yeah. and then everyone else in high I'm school, a freshman in college, hated it, and you know, loving yeah. them, you know, yeah, what I mean? right. Yeah. And then, but when I became a senior in high school, uh, I can remember I saw uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" the video yeah. that came on at night back when that happened. Yeah, and I went to school the next day, and it literally, it, it was like everything was different. Yes, like everybody was suddenly like we're into this now <laughs> everything else is dead yeah. <laughs> greatest man in the world like they it was like it really was like overnight and it's impossible and when i talk to my students about this kind of stuff mm-hmm. i'm like if you didn't i mean pre-internet yeah. uh, and this is a good four years pre-internet but critical like, mass as, a, as an experience yeah and and also like the radio mattered in a way that it doesn't matter now and mm-hmm. like the so like you had to yeah. like this you had to find this music like this mm-hmm. music just you didn't it didn't find you like mm-hmm. you had to go to Sam Goody and be like do you know any I mean right. I remember going to Camelot Music and going to the literal alternative section which is where that term came from yeah. it said alternative in the section yeah. <laughs> and I would buy albums based on uh, cover art because yeah. I didn't know if Minor Threat was a good band or not yeah. like I but just looked at the out. cover and I was like okay and I'd listen to it and be like yeah. my new favorite band you know yeah, or whatever if you didn't have a college station close enough to listen to or something right, you don't, yeah. you don't well, even nothing. know who these bands are like you but say but also the college station felt so like esoteric or something like mm-hmm. you like as a young person listening to the college station felt like so removed but when <laughs> yeah. Nirvana happened it was like all the stuff that we had been listening to like Jane's and and the Pixies and and even like the Smiths and the Cure, like all mm. those bands too. It all coalesced. It was like oh yeah, all of a sudden everybody was like, mm, we like Fishbone. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like I've been listening to Fishbone for five years. Like all of a sudden, yeah. all the, like cool kids were getting and, like Fishbone yeah. tattoos. And James like, breaks what? through, really breaks through to the mainstream like years later when yeah. like Ben caught stealing. Yeah, comes yeah, yeah. Out, yeah. Right? It's a massive hit. Yeah. But all that stuff like got centralized on the radio, and it was only about three ish years. It felt like my whole life when it happened. Like yeah, like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and you know mm-hmm. STP yeah. and all those bands happened and then all like the cranberries and, and stuff came after and by, and, by the time all that was, and honestly by the time all that was happening it was that that was all just the signal that it was over yeah it, it was like as much as the culture was latent to yeah. sort of ride that wave it really Mother meant love bone was already gone it was already over but it was it really was already over and then and by the time like matchbox 20 shows up mm-hmm. everybody's just like let's just fold it up like let's <laughs> yeah. just uh, yeah. terrible. i think it's interesting though just that because i mean i had to like my high school years were 86 to 90 so i endured mm. certainly the the um uh the hair band uh, phenomena yeah. and culturally you had to be really antithetical to the culture to have anything else to go to or look for or yeah. be a part of or whatever um, well you so, had to have Thrasher magazine which goes back to oh, the skating we, thing yeah, we had Thrasher. I mean, that was like I would get Thrasher magazine and at, Transworld like the, yeah Transworld and get him like get him at the Kroger like yeah. I begged my mom to buy Thrasher yeah. magazine and I would listen to every band they talked about yeah. like I would just 
go to Camelot and be like, I need this Pavement? album, I need this Check. album, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, all of it. Yeah, and I was that's that's where. But I was like, those are those kids, are the ones that are like looking for that experience. You know? Yeah. Well, I was trying to explain to somebody the other day that uh, like um, we had to be our own sort of mental spreadsheets. We would look at where albums were produced, who engineered them, what studios, yeah. what towns, what what mm-hmm. liner note information could I uh, d- derive from anything that I had access to because you had to get inside the record to be able to. So I would go when you had when you could actually go to the stores to um, just look at. CDs and listen oh, to right. them. Yeah, yeah. I would just do that and and just re, like yeah. go through all liner notes of anything to try to find corollaries. Well, I, and the, I, would, I would map indexes in my brain, and be like, okay, that that assistant engineer also worked with you know, and you'd have these weird sort of stars that you would point constellations yeah, you put sure, together, yeah. and then that would turn you on to a whole well, other world of music. Yeah, it was like a whole. I mean, it was a, there were scenes, right? Like you'd be like, oh, that's like the this DC, is back when people got credit, like the DC hardcore scene, you know? No, yeah, like, oh, that's like a whole scene that I like or whatever. Right, and then you'd sort of find your find your path that way and then i also i'm a i still am a huge uh hip-hop fan yep and uh which is a i think unexpected uh given everything about me but but i i grew up in this small town outside of memphis and so the only like alternative ish radio was rap yeah which was big in memphis and so i was listening to like uh like dougie fresh and the get fresh crew when they came out yes and i've been listening to hip-hop like ever since um and that was one of those things too, where you'd find out about like De La Soul, or you'd find out about you know Tribe Called Quest, or mm-hmm. or you'd find you know you'd find these like bands that you're like, oh nobody's listening. I mean, there was like a period where nobody knew who Public Enemy was, mm-hmm. and all my friends and I were like, Public Enemy is the greatest. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so there was uh, that really started like in the late '80s too, mid, yeah. mid to late '80s, and so by the time it was like early '90s, and all that stuff was bumping up against the golden age, beginning of golden age hip hop. Yeah, that's it right. Was, it was that that point was tremendous, like especially like sort of ninety. Four ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, right in that window was like it was the, amazing. It was fucking badass. Yeah, and it was it like was jazz best. and hip hop and everything was all colliding. Yeah, and there was, it was this incredible. whole new expression. It was, yeah, it was a great. I got my um, like I think as a kind of alternative like skater kid, you know, with the terrible haircuts and everything. That it was. Um, I also have my brother to think. Who I have two older brothers, but one of them uh, was a rock and roll drummer uh, yep. for a long time. Still, I think he's playing the drums now. Again. But he uh, he had like waist length blonde hair mm. and listened to Poison and whatever <laughs> and Motley Crue and like all those bands. He hated Nirvana. Uh, well, <laughs> so, but, he was a drummer. But here's the deal. So he uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Because he was a drummer, he also really loved like speed metal, mm-hmm. and he loved like uh, Slayer and Metallica and like all of that. Like not early, early, not like Judas Priest early, but like that sort of post Satanic Panic metal mm-hmm. and yeah. like. And so I would, I learned a lot about that music through the wall of my bedroom because he would be listening to it all the time. And so I had this interesting melange of like, like skate kid music, like, you know, a really 80s hardcore was a big deal. And then rap music and then this like metal music like all sort of stuck in there and inevitably you also had these like we're all we're the same exact generation. So basically you also had inevitably the underpinnings too of, of classic rock but also like um, like sort of Pink Floyd things like that that were you know Zeppelin all that yeah. which which is funny to think about now that music wasn't necessarily that old at that time it seemed like it was old to us at the oh, time right, yeah. back then yeah that math is really funny when yeah. you do like like you do the math of like oh Nirvana is to so and so as the doors were to me you yeah. know yeah. you're like that's weird because they felt ancient yeah the like, shit I, you know I just realized I did one of these the other day it was uh, this 
friend of mine on Facebook that I went to high school with that I have not seen since high school, mm-hmm. right? So it's been since 1990 that I've seen them. They are posting pictures of their child going to college. Going to college. Yeah. And then I realize that I'm looking at their child and their child is older than the last time I saw this person that is my friend on Facebook. Yeah, that's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, I, so, and then I just blew my brains out. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. That whole step, <laughs> getting older is the trip, right? Like, it, it just, it's a psychedelic this, experience. This is one thing that I think, so I'm 45 now, and one of the things that I realized in my 40s is I was like, oh, uh, I don't have to keep up with anything anymore. Like in terms of like pop culture or music mm, or whatever. Yeah. Like anything that I like that's new is a total surprise just to everyone because <laughs> no one expects it like yeah, yeah, if yeah. i'm like oh i really like so-and-so's new album they're just like you've heard of them and i'm like <laughs> yeah, yeah See, but actually and actually tying back to what you're talking great. about before that's what i think is so great about the 40s creatively too is because you can you're, you're free in a lot of ways of a lot of other considerations that you've been burning synapses on yeah prior well the bars <clears throat> the bar is so low I mean, you know, you're <laughs> there's that too. <laughs> like just, you know, I think that like in your forties, uh, like there's a lot of uh there's a lot of like uh dad stuff, like for you know, if you're a dad in your forties and there it's all like you wear like old new balance and like cargo <laughs> shorts and whatever. And I was like, Man, that's not I mean, that's not the case for pretty much any of the guys that I know uh-huh. that are in their forties because everybody that I know in their forties are also artists or musicians or, mm-hmm. or academics or right. something. And so it's a weird sort of fountain of youth in a way, because you still get excited about creativity and you still get excited about so true. stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I think that you don't ever, to me, the irony is that the thing that, that was the dominant thing in high school is sports always has been. I don't, I don't, I still don't understand why culturally we care at all, but it was always like the cool kids were the athletic kids and, yeah. and, so on and so forth but like the t- the shelf life on that is like frighteningly mm-hmm. short yeah all, like, the, all the all the sh- all, all the brightest shining stars of your youth are inevitably sort of all like the captain of your football team is probably selling geico yeah right or whatever I mean, yeah. there's nothing wrong with or, that or, Fine. Or, he's know, got or, a career or whatever i'm right. just saying yeah or maybe they became like rich bankers or something but no, i but, but also that just fit feel like my narrative the, but like the fandom of that even like the emphasis yeah. on that also like doesn't lead anywhere like Mm -hmm. it's sort of always stuck on repeat like you're just like you know it's there's no uh there's no like evolution or generation to that like you're just like well we go and cook out and then we see the titans play and then we go home and drink some beers and whatever it's an elegant simplicity every single season like that's what you're doing and if that's like your like your hobby or your focus or whatever Mm -hmm. then like that's it it's just on repeat forever and so you end up in those cargo shorts and like you're like, I'm the grill master and you know, all you do is grill food or whatever. It just seems really, it just seems, I mean, there's nothing wrong with liking sports and I, I like sports too, but it's, it, it just, the kind of focus on it or like the uh, level of fandom it's of weird, it like is It's weird, like the spectator really lifestyle. Yeah, it's yeah. very weird. Oh, I guess that's, that's what it is. It, yeah, yeah, spectator lifestyle. That's exactly what it is. It's spectator like you're lifestyle. you're a fan of something <laughs> that you have no... I'm very actively not you participating. You have no skin in the game at all. Yeah. Yeah. You're just watching other You're people just watching do something. It. I mean, it, it. I mean, it's like it's like TV. If somebody was just like, you know, what I am really committed to TV. Like, mm. I saw a girl the other day. <laughs> I saw a girl That's the other shit. day wearing a Law and Order Special Victims Unit T-shirt, <laughs> and I was like, huh? 
Like, <laughs> and like, then you thought about the theme song. You like that show a lot. Yeah. Like you have <laughs> yeah. to. I mean, I thought, I hope she was wearing it ironically or something, but you have to really yeah. like that show. And that sounds crazy, right? You're like, man, you would like Law and Order Special Victims Unit. But I feel like it's the same if you really love the, you know, the Predators like cor- or whatever. Corporate yeah. product fandom. Yeah, there's yeah. all kinds of weird facets yeah. of that. Well, also, and it's like, great and it's thrilling and there's a lot in sports that I think is magic and transformative. Yes. I just think it's a. It's also like a weird sort of, yeah, it's a it's yeah. like some sort of There's a difference yeah. between I can enjoy, the, you know, seeing the best Olympics in the world, the best athletes in the world compete yeah. in the Olympics or, you know, I like to watch some fights or whatever like that. You know, that's one thing. But when you're like, when your whole thing is like, like you're saying, you, you're not making art. You don't have this side thing going right. on. You don't have a creative outlet that you're also doing. It's like you just go to work and then you absorb sports stuff and go to games. And, <laughs> yeah, and you're the grill master. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then that's it. Like that's yeah. your, I think that that is, I think that that makes you older faster is what I want to say. Yeah. Because you're not engaged in stuff. I definitely feel like, you know, um, that like that curiosity we were talking about with with Thacker earlier. I think it's. I don't think you can make art if you can't if you can't find a way to stay plugged into that uh, create that yeah, um, yeah. sort of um, uh, you know curiosity and enthusiasm. Yeah. And um, and I think that it's like there's a there's that on many many people that thing that is natural to you when you're younger. Uh, just they don't they don't. They 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 lose it, and yeah. that's and and that does make you ultimately you get older faster for sure. Yeah, yeah. I you mean, know? you literally grow out of it. Yeah, like you just yeah. sort of stop caring or stop. Yeah, it's not fun anymore. And it's and it's true that there is a point in your art career where your art career is not fun anymore. I mean, there like if you're, I mean, like if you're like working, you know, at Trader Joe's and then having to do it. Uh, I saw this meme one time that said, uh, find what you love and do it at night and on the weekends for the rest of your life. <laughs> and I was yes. like, that's, I mean, that's accurate, right? Like, yeah. and, and there's a point too where you realize like, okay, well the, the success that I thought was going to be here isn't, you know, the, I didn't make it into the Whitney Biennial when mm. I was 35 mm. or, you know, whatever. And so there's a point where you're just like, okay, well why, other than just sort of to grow my CV, like why am I still doing it? Yeah. And then you have to, that's a question that you have to answer personally because you do, I mean, am I, I've got four kids and a job and, and there's many ways that I could spend my this time is, not well, this, doing it, but I also part, feel compelled to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, then that's what I want to get to also, because yeah. like I was saying, when we first were connecting up earlier is that my favorite thing is your, uh, your, your current sort of state of self declared, artist and residence yeah and what that means like I, of course we want you to talk about the project and and all the other things but um but just that alone um uh, you know when you think about what people go through for grants and approvals and trying to modulate perhaps what you're doing to fit some other narrative or right. other agenda or other thing i mean ultimately that's not bad right it's it's a collaborative thing and you're combining energies to make some other new thing and that's fine yeah but the idea that you you know people hold on for these particular opportunities but you know what you want to do well just declare yourself right uh, artist in residence yeah, and here is, we go yeah which is funny I mean I feel like artists are doing that all the time by just like making paintings you know like you make a painting and you hang it up and then you're like now I'm a painter like that yeah. just happened right yeah. there's no licensure for painting yeah. like you don't have to you don't have to go to grad school you don't have to go to art school you don't have to go to school at all Yeah, you can just do it and then you're doing it the same with music right like mm-hmm. it's totally free and open and so 
that kind of, I think all everything in art is really self-declaration and then even the idea that you're calling something art is uh, you're declaring it so I mean yeah. Duchamp mm-hmm. figured that out for us hundreds of years ago <laughs> and so but you know you have this sense of like oh you know well I'm going to call this art now and everybody's like okay you know it's there's already a kind of history of that postmodern yeah it's very it is very postmodern although I think I mean postmodernism I think is uh, uh, difficult for people to understand because most people misunderstand it as meaning as meaning that that truth is like elusive and that uh and that there is no truth like that that's the idea like the they're like oh there is no truth right it's the total opposite but mm. it does mean that truth is contextualized within a specific community in a specific time and so on and so forth but that does not negate its truthiness right it's yeah <laughs> and so there is a uh i think that there's a real strong sense of that truth and it's not it's not a non-truth right it's like a it's almost like a superpower truth that happens in that that space. also is readily abused which makes yeah, for problems but yes yeah I think um, that one of my favorite, maybe the favorite line I've ever heard on a Simpsons is when Mo like updates the bar and there's some kind of crazy, I want to say it's like a neon thing on the wall and Barney and, and Homer are like, hey Mo, what's that? And he's like, hey, it's Po Mo. Yeah. It's postmodern. <laughs> weird for the sake of weird. <laughs> and they're just like blankly like, what are you talking about? I don't understand anything you say until he says, it's weird for the sake of weird. Yeah, I heard some, somebody one time said that we're, it's no, we're no longer postmodern. We're like past it now into mm-hmm. this new thing. And the the first pitch was it was going to be called post postmodern, which they were calling popomo. <laughs> and I was like, boy, I hope that doesn't. Yeah. Like, I haven't would heard be that yet, rough. so I don't think it. I don't think it got there. Good. It's been a while. <laughs> that sounds awful. And because of, that's a then what? Then post post postmodern. I mean, right. come on. Yeah, we, we can be more better. inventive. Got to get in front of this naming. We got convention. stuck about modernism. We, we got that stuck was in the Gen X stuff, right? Like yeah. We went Gen X, Gen Y, yeah. Gen whatever then we get to millennials finally yeah the millennials we ran out of alphabet we started really late we should have started with generation a (laughs) yeah exactly and then we could have worked it through that's exactly right that's exactly right that's why they don't name thunderstorms what yeah. did the um uh what let, can you just tell us uh, just for people who don't know better or who don't live in Nashville just say a little bit about how you self declared your uh your artist in residency yeah so uh I had this idea um so your I have, official your official title Nashville artist in Nashville residence. artist in residence okay. that's right um and um basically it came about because I'd had this idea for a long time I, I should start by saying I'm a conceptually based multidisciplinary artist and what that means. Uh, is that I get excited about ideas and then I work with those ideas until those ideas become things, usually. Uh, and that thing could be a video, that thing could be paintings, that thing mm-hmm. could be a sculpture, it can be whatever it needs to be. And it's sort of my job, uh, the kind of going back to discovery versus innovation, my job is to, do, is to sort of, it's like a, being a detective, like I'm trying to figure out what best, what the form is that best expresses the idea, right? Um, and so uh, my work is uh, collage and painting and video and sculpture and just all kinds of stuff. And I like that because it keeps me from being bored, which is important. Um, but this was something I had these ideas for projects that were very specific to Nashville and didn't really fit the general scope of my work, which is something a lot of artists, especially like mid-career folks like myself, where you find yourself kind of like you have a kind of brand that you're building or a language that you're creating. Um, and then you're like, well, I want to do this other thing, but that's like way left of what, what this is, you know? 
And so uh, I uh, got the idea for doing a residency as a way to like umbrella these projects mm-hmm. or these ideas. And then uh, I was like, well, what, okay, so what does that mean to be in residence somewhere? And then I uh, very quickly realized like I already was. Like I li- I'm a resident of Nashville and yeah. an artist. Like I am an artist in residence. <laughs> you know, it's pretty simple. <laughs> And so I got, uh, I actually bought an ad in the Nashville scene, which is the, um, it is like, uh, it is as close to Nashville has to like an art, like sort Village of arts Boys center. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, a, uh, it's yeah, a weekly, alternative weekly. Yeah. It's an alternative yeah. weekly that, that has a lot to do with like what happens in the, in the art world and mm. you can read about it and stuff like that. And so, um, I, uh, called, uh, I forget his name, David or something <laughs> at the mm. scene. And I was like, I'm with his ad in the scene. And he was like, what are you advertising? And I was like, me. Uh, and so the it says self declared. Uh, I forget it says like. Did you have any fun conversations with them about the fact that you were sort of like collaborating on the because the the ad itself is rather it's kind of an art thing. Yeah, that's itself. right. Yeah, yeah. Well, the yeah. residency is a thing. Yeah. You know, like and then the ad is sort of a component of that. Yeah. Um, and then the first project out of that, uh, which is this website I did, but um, the uh, the um, ad is actually uh the photo in the ad because i was the thing this is the thing i was most nervous about is i was most nervous that people would take it too seriously or not seriously enough like it had to sort of hit this yeah space of being like no like i'm like i'm legitimately saying that i am nashville's artist in residence however i'm trying not to be an a-hole about it and so can you you know like how do i find a yeah. way to say that mm. that's not like oh this guy's declaring yeah. a residency you know whatever and so i think uh, the tone was just right i mean oh, i thanks. also know you so yeah. i i would have i probably came to it with a certain kind of like knowing Rocky, this is how he. Right. This is how you must mean it. So I don't know what it would be like if I didn't know you. But I, I wondered thought, about it. I thought it was hilarious and inventive, no, and thanks. I thought it was a great way to do it too. Because you got to somehow, like we were saying earlier before we started recording, you know, there's this declarative element to 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 doing something like this. And right. so it's like, well, should I do? I just tweet it, or what do I do? Yeah, well, I mean, I actually <laughs> thought about uh, uh, when like uh, Martin Luther nailed the theses on the door. Yeah. You know, I was like, do I hang like an advertisement on the capital you know (laughs) like i was like is that how this is gonna go um and so and then i realized that that really the scene is the kind of hub of the art discussion Uh in print and so i was like well that seems perfect and so i took the ad out uh and the photo in the ad is the photo of of me on my birthday which is the beginning date of the residency november Mm -hmm. 25th Mm -hmm. um and it's just i just cut the cake out the cake is is underneath and i'm like grinning about my cake and then that's the photo and then i actually struggled with putting self-declared on it like originally i was just going to be like announces you know Uh like rocky horton is nashville's artist in residence because i was like well i mean i am declaring it so yeah but then i realized if i don't say self-declared then it does come off as a little pretentious if you have have to declare that you're declaring it that's right i'm declaring that i'm declaring it so that everybody (laughs) gets a kind of uh a tongue-in-cheekness of it yeah 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 yeah. i think maybe that did help it maybe that did help it to to make sense but again like i said i think i would have i would have had a sense of how you would have meant it regardless well without that i wouldn't have been affected by my first impression of it the same way at all It, it, it was the right call yeah thanks the um it also helps that the art world in nashville is still pretty small it's vastly bigger than it was when i moved here but yeah still pretty small and so um i would say you know most people know who i am or know somebody who knows who i am in the art world and so uh we all you know keep in touch and stuff and so i i felt like my personality would sort of pull it one direction (laughs) like people would be able to be like oh i'm sure that he's not like Uh you know 
making a kind of highfalutin claim or something. Right. So he'd be like, no, no, no. Or yeah, if right. somebody gets He's mad, it's like, really, you're getting mad at this. Okay, fine. Like, yeah, like yeah. You're, putting, you're assigning your energy to this in an angry way. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but we live in that world, right? Where people yeah. just get mad about stuff like that. Yeah. As but a the, hobby. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Um, the So I did it. Um, and uh, what was really crazy to me was that I did it and it, it almost immediately people started to ask me, like well once it's over like are you going to hand it off oh yeah and i thought what like i'd never that had never occurred to I, me that's a great idea because they were like the, you know this is a self-declared artist residency because like if you, if you want it you can just say it into the microphone mm. and now you're it wow. you know what i mean like it's yeah. that simple but it became uh kind of quasi-official immediately mm-hmm. like people were like oh well now that you're it who like who are you going to tag next? I love uh-huh. it, and, and, and invariably everybody's self-declared, so it's sure it, it works yeah. in its lineage. I mean, it's absolutely absurd. Yeah, really. Yeah. But you I know? like the idea, and they would get the sash. That's right. I did. Yeah. So I doubled down on <laughs> yeah, that. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, Laura Hudson uh, uh, Hunter wrote a uh, really nice article about the first it project. Was in the scene too, right? It was in the scene yeah. as well, and I think that really like stuck a tent pole and like mm-hmm. this is like a thing, mm-hmm. you know that you know it legitimized it. Yes. In a way. it was a really great article. And then, uh, so then I was like, well, I'd better uh, double down on this. So I, I bought a sash from a company on Etsy. Uh, it's, it's very nice, by the way. It's not like a, bri- it's not like a bride's or bachelorette party sash. It's like a, like a Latin American president level <laughs> sash. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's uh, based on the colors of the flag of Nashville, which uh-huh. I, didn't, I didn't even know we had. What is by the, the flag way. of Nashville? It is, uh, there's, an in, there's a Native American person in it, uh, like holding a skull. <laughs> and oh, it's, and it's blue and gold and yeah. white and yeah. so my sash is blue and gold and blue white and, gold and it and says white. Nashville's artist in residence it sounds fucking beautiful thank you it is it's really <laughs> lovely and it's it's very nice like satin it's really great mm-hmm. I, embroidered you know it's not like screen printed on That's like great. I had it embroidered and so I, now I have this object that I could legitimately be like I doth the you know yeah. whatever you should like, also like take some photos of yourself like in Kroger or, or something you know or it should be like an event though you should have like some kind of an event where people can come and celebrate the new artist yeah yeah I think so too yeah. I think that's a great idea and then yeah. just the, the then at the end of your term you simply yeah. nominate somebody else and now they're it yeah I think it's great and I have this sort of object to do it and it and so I mean one of the I have a lot of uh, rules for the residency that I've, <laughs> I've sort of I have like a little list in this uh, sketchbook that I keep and um, uh, one of them was that I wouldn't I wouldn't really make any artwork for it like that was one of the big ones because I I have a studio practice and I, I just had a solo show at the arts company and then I had a group show at the arts company right after that and I've got a show in Alabama and uh so i have those are like things that i'm making things for mm-hmm. but this one i was like i don't want to make things like i don't want it to be like oh, i'm nashville's arson residence so like here's five of my paintings yeah and whatever gonna, yeah and i'm gonna put them out well, that's because the concept know, itself is bigger than whatever subtext you would provide it in that way yeah and also i think residencies are not about making product they're about making like relationships you know usually yeah, a lot of times yeah and then also love it and they're like a, a yeah. time of sort of research and discovery they're not yes. they're not really productiony times right. usually yeah, yeah, yeah. you know for yeah. people for people again we because we have a, you know there's a lot of people who listen to the show who aren't in nashville and a lot of people who listen to it because they would prefer us to talk about head kicking and so so yeah. for people who don't know what an artist residence is this is a thing where normally an artist would go for a week or two weeks or a month or six months that's right to some place where there would be a dedicated space mm-hmm. for them to use that dedicated time to 
uh, start their novel or to, yeah, that's like right. you say, do the research and figure out some things about some yeah. new techniques or materials or you, they may yeah, want to work with. Yeah, you might with. start a new body of work or yeah. finish one there's off. A stipend. Or, usually there's a stipend, Yeah, usually right? there's a stipend. That's also, by there the way, self There can be. I mean, that's a good one. A lot of them, yeah. you, the artist is going to end up oh, paying yeah, for them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, most of them are, you pay to play. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the truth. Or if there is a stipend, you still have to handle all your own food and uh -huh. travel and stuff like that. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I you know, as a, as a dad of four kids. That uh, wasn't really an option for you. It's yeah it's i mean and also it's not i mean there are people in my situation that have kids and can do it like mm -hmm. that feel fine doing it i'm yeah. just not that person like i uh i like i like being at home with my kids to be mm -hmm. perfectly frank about mm -hmm. it like that's that is where i enjoy being mm -hmm. uh and uh, my studio's in my house uh which i like as well because mm -hmm. uh, i don't want my kids to be outside of my practice uh -huh. i want them to be in my practice and so uh, I did I did a brief residency um, a few years ago at Hambage, which was really great. It was like two weeks long out in the out in Georgia. Yeah, cool. And it was really cool. And I was by myself. And it, within three days, I was like, "Oh boy, this <laughs> is like a week longer than I <laughs> than I should have probably gotten it because I because I miss them. You know, yeah. I miss my kids and I miss my wife. And I and I and it's it ends up being a not very productive mm. uh, existence for me. And so. Um, Partly, I can't do it because the you know money is an issue and time is an issue and mm -hmm. you know yep. managing the kids. But uh, my wife is also an artist and gets it and would be extremely supportive of me mm -hmm. doing it should I you know be able to do it. But I don't really want to. Uh -huh. So I think I mean, that maybe the, the thing is though is that whoever gets the the awarded the next re you know whoever gets handed off to assuming you're doing this, which I think everybody who's in agreement here too. Yeah, let's do it. Like Joe and I are voting yes, like it should be handed okay. off. Yeah, let's so, do it. Uh, but ultimately, I guess I'm, I'm suggesting that you give it to me, frankly. <laughs> Great. <Good. laughs> All right. So maybe the new metric, like how you get it is just through intimidation. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, through um, coercion and bribery, like yeah. all things. Right. Like, <laughs> right. like have like a, like a, a rubric for like threats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me ask you real quick. What is the, um, uh, does, now your wife, Mandy Rogers Horton, another yep. Nashville artist yep. and educator, yep. does she paint at the house too yeah yeah okay, we have so we actually both we do. both have studios in our okay. home i don't think i don't think i've been to your new place you guys i knew i knew you, yeah, you lived that's like right. off riverside or whatever yeah right? we lived off mcgavick i Pike. saw that place yeah or off mcgavick best yeah. move we ever made we bought that house uh, -huh. uh way before east nashville became east nashville yeah. and we cashed that thing in about three yeah, years ago cool. it was awesome uh, and you guys were painting in the house at that time too yeah, yeah well i cool. mean we we realized early on that like the you know when when you have kids uh, and, and any any person with kids will tell you they take like all your time and all your money. Like if you have one kid, it takes all your time and money. If you have two, it takes all your time and money. Doesn't it, matter. It's a flat math, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like gaseous. It'll expand to take up whatever room it's allowed that, yeah, to take. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So have four, have 12, have one. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. You're occupied and broke. Like that's all there is to it. And so to make work in that space, you have to learn to like, you're like, well, I'm going to, uh, you know, first when they're babies, you're like, well, I'm going to work during nap time. You know, and then yeah. you find out I'm going to work over there at school or I'm going to work when their grandmother takes them away for the weekend, yeah. you know, whatever. And you have to have these like really potent few hours that you can kind of get in right. there and do it. And so having a space outside of the home seemed really uh uh, like antithetical yeah like you can't you just yeah. couldn't get there i don't there. have time to get to it and get back and right. get any work you're done. like i have an hour and a half to make something happen if i, I gotta drive do a half an hour yeah. you know i can't do it yeah and also money wise it just didn't make any sense well, to also us just we have to be around studios. because there's lots of little yeah. fires you can put out that momentary things and yeah that's right like yeah. the kids can i mean our kids are older i mean all but the baby are older now and so they can play in the backyard and play with legos and whatever and then if they come in and say like you know Hey, can I have a Nutella toast? I can just say, yeah, 
and then I can keep working. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So it's, it's, uh, and I also like that our kids see us making art and, and, you know, and they go to our shows and, you know, when we travel, we go to museums. Like it's a very different, I was not brought up by artists, but I was brought up by really supportive parents. And so it, it feels really uh, good to me and to my wife to have our family like involved in it as yeah, opposed to that's cool. as opposed to it being like oh dad's gonna leave for a few hours and then come back and then that's like any all. other dad may yeah and, like any and, other dad may yeah. going to the office yeah going to the well, office so, I think, oh I want sorry I would just want to like make sure that we get in uh, we, we kind of started to talk about uh, this uh, the Bedford Forest thing oh yeah so that was I have I have about I don't know like, right now like three or four sort of projects that I had in mind for their residency. Uh, you're, you're, you're confusing me a little bit because a minute ago you were saying you weren't going to do any specific works for the residency. Yeah. yeah well, but it they, seems like you kind of have. Yeah. No, there are. <laughs> yeah. I'm, no, just, I'm sure I'm misunderstanding yeah, this. No, no, what I meant to say, I mean, there are, there are work, the residency, uh, I had some works that I was like, oh, this would make sense sort of if I give it this umbrella, right? Like under uh-huh. the residency, I can do this project. Uh-huh. But what I meant was I'm not going to make any objects. Oh, like, I I'm see. not going to make any, like I'm not going to have an art show. I'm oh, not I, see, gonna, I see. I mean, I could see a scenario where at the end of it all, I might have a kind of or like residency retrospective showcase uh-huh, sort of something, thing. Something, yeah. But, uh, it's but really just all, like a stamp to put on these ephemeral things yeah, that are yeah, carried yeah, out right. in this it's time. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so the first it's thing not, was this website. Yeah, and so, so like, I, for instance, I had a solo show at the arts company. I did eight paintings mm-hmm. uh, for that show. I don't count those paintings as part of the residency. Mm-hmm. Does that, that make sense? That was just something you were doing anyway. That was just, yeah, that's just yeah. my art career. Yeah. You know, and so uh, I wanted to really have this sort of set aside thing. And so the first thing is this uh, community-based project called Nashville Bedford Forest, uh, which is one of those things that I named and then was like, I should probably change that name. And then I never did. Uh, and it's just oh, www. Man, we have to get out of town people some context here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. I, like, well, I think it's a good name. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> it's it's very cl- it's very clear at least. <laughs> I mean, if you Google Nashville Bedford Forest, you'll see it. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a it's a website called www.nashvillebedfordforest.com, and it's based on this statue that was erected in the '90s here in Nashville of Nathan Bedford Forest by uh, uh, it was I forget who the owner is. I forget his name. Yeah. But the guy who made it, the actual, I did a little research on it, and the guy who made it was the defense attorney for James Earl Ray. Like, that's yes. the quote-unquote artist who and made the okay, Before the you object. go into that, can you just explain yeah. to people that are, like, in California, what does this statue look like? Oh what is it gosh. of? And yeah. what, it's, we're talking about, like, it's right on the side of the interstate yeah, it's, on a private property. It's super and visible. And this was somebody's just sort of, I'm recognizing that I have the ability, I have land that backs up to a, a populated highway so i'm gonna i'm gonna make this sculpture uh one of the only quotes that i read from this guy because he, he doesn't yeah. he doesn't get on the microphone a much, confederate but, army hero that's right and and he literally said he goes somebody needs to get a good word out about slavery that literally what he said and so but yeah he owns this property it backs up to the interstate <laughs> so and so and so in a weird way it is it is nashville's like most public monument mm-hmm. like yeah. i can't think of anything else that that anyone driving sort of around would just be like whoa check that out you mm-hmm. know like it, it's very known it's so fucking yeah, hideous nathan bedford force is also known uh to be a part of the beginning of the kkk that's right, in tennessee yeah. mm-hmm. and so and so yeah so it's basically this thing where anybody who's driving up this main highway into nashville from the south you have to look at this you thing, have to look at and it and there's nothing anybody can do about it that's because right. it's on private property and it's so that's specifically right. are like amazingly hideous oh it's, <laughs> it is it almost feels in it all um, like irrespective of what it's about it feels like like 
if Jeff Koons were making fun of Nathan Bedford Forrest, <laughs> yeah. he would make this object. He would actually make this object. Yeah, he yeah. would make this it's object. It's so cartoonish it's, it and is, bizarre. It's a gold horse with a <laughs> silver Nathan Bedford Forrest who looks like the Hamburglar. Like a horse yeah. one that's black. Yeah, he's, on like, he's like swinging a sword, isn't swinging he? Swinging a sword. And the horse is rearing and, up and on two legs. And he has legs. a gun. Yeah. He has he, a, he's got he has a sword and a gun. A sword and, he's not holding on to the horse at all. <laughs> yeah. Jesus is keeping him on there. And he's he's uh, facing north. That's yeah. like a big deal. Like uh-huh. he's he the statue faces north as though he's like leading yeah the troops north. Uh, and then behind it, uh, I think is like a sort of brief history of Confederate battle flags and in, in the back just to kind of double yeah. down on that. And so uh, it is. It was erected in the nineties. So that like way after, like you know, there is that debate now about what to do about Confederate statuary, you mm-hmm. know, in various places. This is does not fall under that umbrella at all. Uh-huh. Um, Which we really is in like an amplifying element of this that is very interesting. Yeah, because right? like the little bust that's in the Capitol building that's is right. like hugely controversial. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Meanwhile, this is just running amok. Oh, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Nobody yeah. sees the bust in the Capitol. You can't, you can't do it because yeah. You first of all, it's not as visible. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> it's private property so the, right. the discussions are already kind of over there's nothing you do yeah, and, like and some people have dumped paint on it recently yeah well that, see that was the thing is like i felt like they every, bombed it with some pink paint yeah it's pink and then they were like are you going to clean it and the guy was like all this does is bring even more attention to it and i, ha- <laughs> I, I have to agree with so him. badass he's like yeah. a wrestling promoter he's just yeah, badass that's right. in, this, yeah. in this promotion I yeah. mean, and yeah, I mean, he is like he he's he's like there's kind of nothing that you can do to uh, de-emphasize it or hide it or cover it up. You make it worse, and, yeah. and also, it is it is a, an issue of private property, which I happen to believe in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I want that to stand. Yes. And so, <laughs> Above all else, right. and expression and everything. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm like, you know, the, I don't feel good about people. I mean, I get why people want to tear it down. I don't think that that's an answer. That's why I think you know? what you did, which I know you're going to get into, but I know that, that that's why I think what you did is so... Ele- eloquent because it, it it navigates all of that tricky space there and all oh, of those dilemmas yeah so my my first uh thought about it because i mean i you know i've driven that route many a time and uh and i would see it and everybody i know would be like oh, flip it off every time i drive by or, you know whatever <laughs> and i was like yeah I, I mean i hate it too no one no one doesn't hate it i've never met a single person that's like but you to know take what? time to understand what you hate yeah. Yeah. Like, you should understand it, what you hate though yeah yeah and, and, underst- just flip it off. and also understand yeah. how how to hate it like you yeah. know like what does it mean to to do that and so uh my thought was uh i had gone to i lived in italy for a couple of years in my youth and I'm very familiar with it and and i thought about the leaning tower of pisa and how uh this is a the leaning tower of pisa is a failed piece of architecture it's actually a, a kind of unremarkable tower that also is falling mm-hmm. you know and but that kind of proto monument sort of or anti-monument really has been transformed by interactivity mm-hmm. right so now what pisa is is a, is a huge uh, money maker for the town of pisa so you can go and take that photograph where you're holding it up mm-hmm. or whatever that is what that is like people have gone to see its failure and because of it you can't understand it as architecture anymore mm-hmm. like it dies right mm-hmm. like you nobody ever says like you or know it transcends it it transcends it right yeah. it becomes it becomes contextualized and it becomes a uh, community property, mm-hmm. right? Even though it absolutely is not community property, yeah. you know? And so uh, my first thought was to literally do that. I try. I went around the monument, uh, drove around and walked around, and I was trying to find a vantage point where I could put a uh, space 
or borrow a space from somebody's backyard or something where people could take interactive photographs with the statue. Oh, yeah. And I was like, that would be great if you could sort of Pisa the monument. But yeah. it turns out that it is precisely located to not allow that. Uh -huh. Like, you'd have to it'd be very difficult to do. Diabolical. Yeah. And so, <laughs> because, like, it's right on the Newman. interstate. And so, the, the really, the best angle would be the interstate, right. but you yeah. can't. Right. And then the interstate, I was like, well, may, if it, the interstate, is sadly, on the other side is also a cliff. Mm -hmm. so it's not flat if it were a field i'd be like we're on yeah but it's a it's a cliff so you can't do it um and so uh so my next thought was to create this website where uh li literally anyone can recreate the monument in any way that they wish <laughs> as many times as they want and it is archived uh as uh is archived on the website and so so basically you have a, you have a photograph of it that essentially that's been cut up into these elements that you can gr grab uh, the screen uh, the objects on the screen move them around slide them around stack yeah, them make them bigger do make whatever, them smaller do whatever you want and then essentially use a button on there to sort of make a freeze frame mm -hmm. still of your creation and, it and then it archived. goes into a perpetual gallery yeah and and, uh, and the and then I and then it's totally hands off for me in that regard like I don't curate the gallery I don't you know anything yeah. I just whatever anybody wants to do totally fine uh, and uh, so this was a way I think if this monument is going to stand for Nashville uh, I just thought well what does it mean for it to really belong to Nashville like if it's going to belong to Nashville let's really give it to Nashville because it is I mean what we know living here is that it's a terrible representation of the city mm -hmm. right but it is a representation of the city we like, yep. can't help that and it's actually a fairly well known one mm -hmm. and so I was like well what happens if we can kind of renegotiate that context yeah. And then I love it. And man. I don't think that any, I mean, the individual ones are really amazing and some of them are hilarious and some of them are, are crazy. Uh, and I love them individually, but I think it's all of them as a whole. When you look at it, it's really where you start to see this kind of new, uh, there's like a new sculpture. And you so, know? and so now that like, okay, tell people where, again, where that they, everybody's listening right now is like, okay, I want to do that. Yeah. yeah. I want to see what this thing is, how ugly it is. And I want to, I want to, I want to fuck with this. So yeah. uh, how do people fuck with it? It's a www.nashvillebedfordforest.com. B-E-D-F-O-R-D. F, yeah. F-O-R-R-E-S-T? Uh, okay. Yeah, two R's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the, uh, Nashville Bedford Forest. You can do it on your phone, but it works much better on a computer. Mm, okay. So just because uh, I don't, I don't do web stuff. <laughs> uh, I actually have a good friend of mine named Kyle Jones who did the website for me, which was great. Oh, that's cool. And then uh, if you go to the website, uh, it is like Space Jam era uh, design. Yeah. It's very GeoCities. It's very GeoCities. Uh, which, Lots of animated flaming yeah, things rotating like, around. Yeah, it's got the web like, counter. Yeah, there's like a glittery background and that's then great. like uh, little flags waving and stuff. Because I wanted it ultimately to be uh, one very self-aware. I mean, this is kind of a silly yeah. uh, thing, and then also a um, a way to make it uh, like fun and funny to interact with. Like, yeah. I didn't want it to be. I mean, there is an artist statement on it. It's a page deep. I didn't even put that mm -hmm. on the front because I didn't want people to be like, "Oh, I've got to get real about this." I, know, yeah. I think it, it goes pretty be. meta actually because it's like that's a that's an aged way of expressing yourself on the internet. Is yeah. that style and that format and that sort of like whatever you want to say, you can say it on GeoCities kind yeah, of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And MySpace kind of vibe or pre-MySpace really. So so the idea that um th that really mirrors nicely I think the assertion of the, the this private owner and his land and what he's doing with it. Yeah, right. Like that's and it's so and it's really like, you know, we all agree it's pretty it's pretty 
grotesque and poorly done not just because like, it could have been the, yeah, oh, it could have been about Hank Williams or something undeniable sure. yeah. and everybody would still be like that is the ugliest most fucked up thing I've ever seen <laughs> oh yeah it's, so it just it's becomes unredeemable like, in every yeah. yeah so it just becomes also, amplified in that way I also like the idea too I mean even though this is private property um, like the statues on private property the internet makes nothing private property yeah like you can own all of it that's yeah. right that's interesting yeah. I, like way, I like the way like you know like you took these these things that he's asserting like he's asserting that that you know uh i get to say what i want to say that's right i get to say it however i want to say it i get to make you have to pay attention to it or at uh-huh. least be exposed to it and also represent you in and doing like, so yeah and like you say so then all of a yeah. sudden it's like i'm uh, this is part of, this is going to represent nashville that's and right i like the way that the project you know basically says you know it's 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 very judo what you're doing yeah. here like to bring it back to a martial arts thing because you're yeah. you're very much like instead of fighting a back against those things and flipping it off and denying that it'll stand for Nashville, right. which is not working. You're like, okay, cool. You want all that? I'll take it from you yeah. and we'll, we'll roll through it and we'll come out the other end and yeah. it'll be ours again. Yeah, right. that's right. You it's know? like, I'm, I'm kind of taking him at his word. Yeah, like, exactly. He's like, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> giving smart, this to man. Nashville and I'm like, great, then we'll take it. Amplifying, yeah. 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 amplifying something and refracting it. And yeah. then uh, it's almost like you can just make it yeah, the, the way to fight it is to make it um, everywhere. Yeah, that's or right. Or make it accessible. Yeah, you, I mean, you give it to everybody, right? And then, then it's everybody's, <coughs> and then it gets recontextualized through use, you know, mm. which I think is really great. Like Justin um, Bieber. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just like Justin Bieber. Just like Justin Bieber. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sure. And we're out. I would say, <laughs> yeah, is that the end of the podcast all the time? <laughs> Just like Justin Bieber. I'm, right? I'm a podcast killer. No, so uh, real quick, uh, run everybody through like any dates or other sort of things you have yeah, that you want to so, promote. Yeah, um, I would say uh, if you go to my, uh, I have an Instagram that's just for the Nashville residency. It's at, uh, it's Nashville underscore AIR, Nashville Artists in Residence. Mm. And uh, I have already started working on a project where I'm going to double the art crawl. Um, And then I have another project where I'll be uh, hosting Symposia on Pedal Pubs. Oh, Uh, man. And so... um, I'll do a Kickstarter for that because it's a little pricey. But um, you should connect with John Sewell's mayoral campaign. Oh, I should. That'd be great. I love John, by the way. Yeah, me too. But, uh, yeah, the idea being, you know, symposium. If you look at the Greek, the symposium is a drinking party. Like that's what the originals was. And then I also uh, yeah. was reading a bit about Aristotle and his. Uh, he had what they thought was a what they called a peripatetic style of teaching, where he would sort of wander around Athens and talk about things as they went on. And so I just stuck those two things together, and so it's a it's a called a, a peripatetic symposium, symposium uh, which is a symposium hosted on pedal pubs. Oh my <laughs> so, god! Okay, this is great. Yeah. So uh, uh, and I have a guest speaker. I think that's going to be doing that in in August. I hope that's the I got to uh, figure cool. all that out. But that sounds good, man. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. And Joe, what do you got coming up? Well, was that? well really quick, though, where should people like if they want to follow your socials and stuff? Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Um, Nashville underscore AIR uh, is the residency one. Uh, my personal one is RK at RKY Horton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm only on Instagram. I don't do anything else okay. um, because uh, Trump got elected. I don't know if you guys knew that, yeah. <laughs> and it basically murdered Facebook. So Definitely. I got and off Twitter. of that. Yeah, and Twitter. Facebook. I was like, I'm out. And then I went. I was like, I had to make the decision either to continue to love my relatives or, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm glad you made that decision. I Too did. many people don't. Yeah, I agree. I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna stick with them. Um, but they. Uh, and then uh, my website is www.rockyhorton.com, mm-hmm. and there's some stuff on there. Great. Too about it. 
That's awesome. Yeah, cool. Um, the only thing uh, I'm at Mighty Joe Nolan on Twitter and Instagram, and um, the only th- well, I guess the main thing I've got coming up is this Friday. Uh, I don't even know if this will be out in time, but Friday the seventh is the reception for the Art of the South which is a huge regional show that they do every spring um, in Memphis. And this year it's going to be at the Memphis College of Art, so I'll have a photograph in that. And then I'm also going to play the Unity in the Community event on the 30th of June, which is like a a music festival around a new hashtag that's, I think it's, uh, if you see, it's like, see it, throw it out. I don't remember what it is. I should know this. See it, snag it, I think is the hashtag. See it, snag it. And it's it's basically an anti-lettering like a, promotion in Nashville. It sounds like a pickpocketing. They want <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does. It sounds like a shoplifting That's scheme. It's a 12-hour thing, right? Yeah, it's 12 hours on Sunday the 30th. It's going to be from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And my band will be playing at uh, one between 1 and 2. Cool. Awesome. Uh, and then the quick things for me, I guess, would be, uh, let's see, June 18th. Um, no, I'm sorry. June 12th at the Parthenon, uh, uh, Michael Weintraub's instrument head is going to have... guest, friend his, of the show. Yep, uh, friend of the show. And uh, <laughs> and actually, a portrait in the show is of me. So, of course, wow. I want you to go see me writ large in a photograph. Nice. Which is just uh, perfect for my ego. But anyway, June 12th, there's that thing at the Parthenon. Six to eight is the opening. Jeff Coffin and Future Man will play a live set. It'll be really cool, free, whatever. Do mm. it, go. Then uh, June 18th, 6 p.m. to 7. 30 p.m. So June 18th, 6 p.m. Green Hills Public Library in Nashville. I'll be doing, uh, as part of their community programming, a screening and Q&A of a bunch of my sort of drone films and drone work. So that'll be a thing. And I'm hoping to sort of help the library out to start like helping their level of programming kind of get up. Because I feel like a lot of people that are doing stuff huddled away, it's a nice intermediary space that's just kind of wide open and very public uh, in a nice variety kind of way to sort of do things. Anyway, so I'm hoping people come out to that. And then uh, let's see. Um, Oh, and then the last thing is uh, I'm very excited. I'm going to be going, I'm working on a documentary film. I'm just doing the drone work, but we're going to the Six Flags that was been abandoned since Katrina in New Orleans. Oh, wow. And I'm going to be filming there for a couple days. Did you hook up with those guys on Twitter? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I saw you tweeting at him saying, like, hey, I'm in Nashville, but yeah, I can yeah. travel. We have some similar people. And That's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Bright Sun Films, it's going to be really cool. So, anyway, all right. Uh, that appreciate sounds everybody, terrifying. And uh, <laughs> we'll see you next time. Okay, guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone